Hey, this is Chris Saloff, creator of Crit, and you're listening to I See Things Differently. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show, I See Things a Little Differently. I am this little chemical, and we have a special guest on today. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, it's, it's in the archive still, so you can check it out. I did a review of a comic book, first one I've done in a long time. I was super excited to get this opportunity. It's called Crit, C-R-I-T. The creator is Chris Saloff, and we actually have him on today because um, I, I did it, and I, I told the story in the background how I don't know how we met. three uh, We never met three-dimensionally, but I don't know how we got hooked up online, but essentially, we ended up meeting, and uh, he was just asking if anyone could do it, and I did my best to review it from what I knew, and uh, I just asked him if he wanted to come on to actually give his take on the history and uh, of of his comic book and how how it started and where he wants to go. So how you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me on. Oh, no worries, man. So first of all, I want, cause I, I know I explained a little bit on my own, but this, it's not my book. It's not my story. Tell the people how this, how this journey even started from you, from you. Uh, so it started when in like 2018, I lost my job and I had nothing really going on. And <clears throat> my wife was like, Hey, you know, we have enough right now. Take some time to yourself because I've been working since I was 12 years old. She's like, just enjoy life a little bit and find a, a job you really like. So I had all this downtime and I was playing video games and I decided I wanted to play D&D with my friends again because we hadn't played in like 10 years. So I called on my friends and I was like, hey, I had this idea for a superhero version of D&D. So they were all in. Um, I hadn't seen some of them in like 10 years too. Like we hadn't talked and it was just a random like, hey, this might be fun. So I put everything together. Uh, I spent like a month building all the all the aspects of the game and we had our first game session. And like I said, some of us hadn't even seen each other in 10 years. And it felt like we hadn't been apart for more than 10 minutes. We've just all meshed so well. It was so great to see them. And we talked about the game session for like an entire month until we played again. And we kept doing that for about two, three months. And I was like, well, you know, I started doodling i had I got a job I, I had a tablet that i could draw on and so i just started like kind of sketching out some of the stuff for fun just kind of snowballed it it really snowballed quickly so then um 2020 hit and i released issue of crit in july of 2020 and now we're seven issues deep you know i think i've done or eight different um uh comic cons and it's, it's just been it's been quite a bit so it's been a, it's been a journey <laughs> and it always is especially when you put actual effort into what you're doing um it can be the journey it could be it's an awesome journey so essentially we got your backstory there actually actually that's pretty cool so how did these characters form i i, I you're talking to someone now for the record here i've never played D. <laughs> i don't even know what it is so that's why i'm asking because um, I don't know if I, if I'm being honest with you, I don't think I think this is the first time D and D's ever been brought up on my show. So, oh, wow. um, so I don't even know if most of my audience even knows what it is. I know I I know truly I've heard of it, but I don't actually know what it is to be honest with you. So D and D Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons is tabletop. So you take a piece of paper and you build your character out with different st- stats that the the game book will give you. <clears throat> And then you create, like, in your mind what this character will be. So you get to really, like, immerse yourself into the character. Uh, have you ever played um, Star Wars, like the, the role-playing games for Star Wars, or really any role-playing game on, on computer or video games? I have never. So 
in video games, you you get a little bit of it because you're role playing as that character, like in Mass Effect. Um, that was a big inspiration for us. You get to create your character. You get to make decisions for your character that have uh, effects on the game. That's what a good D&D session is, is your character is you, like your little avatar, and you get to decide what goes on the game. And it's all played at a table, and sometimes you'll have people that have game boards for you to move around, around on. But all the action, all the dialogue, everything comes from the players. And you'll say what you're going to do, um, describe what's going on in the scene. It, it's kind of like the uh, the game of the mind. So everything's happening inside your head. And it's kind of cool because everyone gets to visualize it differently. Um, plus, I recorded all the sessions. I still do. We're still playing. And I, I used my vision of it. And I just started drawing what I had recorded and what I heard. And... Um, it, it's it's very fun, especially if a good group of people together, because you're just pretending to ha- to do all this crazy stuff, and the person running the game, the the DM or the you know the game master, they <clears throat> dictate really how everything happens around you. So uh, for me, it's a lot of fun. The first time um, it ever got brought up to me, you know, I was a I was actually a district manager for GameStop, and I was working in a store. And one of my employees was like, hey, do you want to play D&D? And I looked at him. I'm like, hey, I'm a nerd, but I'm not that big of a nerd. <laughs> and, and actually, it was one of the guys I play with now. And he, and he was like, no, it's not. It's not that nerdy. And the first time we played, I looked at him. I'm like, dude, it's that nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, when you have a good group of people together that just have fun bantering back and forth. And I, I, when I listened to the podcast, you mentioned the banter. And that all happens at our table. Everything you read is recorded by me. That's how we play. Everything you see, everything that's on there happened at our table. That's I just cool. drew out how it happened. That's cool. And and I did say that because I, I, I do remember that was the first thing. I did a couple readings of it. I remember I was at work reading it. And I remember this, I went through it the first time. I remember I just wrote down some notes of the things I liked about it and then I remember I said let me read this again was the banter as good as I thought it was or is that just something I was looking for just to compliment because for me I think sometimes when you're doing a review this is just me I think some people like let's 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 use a YouTube on a YouTuber right sometimes I think some YouTubers are known for just crapping on products and that's their that's their gimmick that's what they're known for then you have other YouTubers that are known for just being over complimentary. And I was like, am I trying to be over complimentary? Am I trying not to burn a bridge? Like, well, let me let me read this again to see what I, I see, understand what it was. And I remember I went through the second time and it did feel very natural to me. That makes that makes so much sense that you said that because it felt very natural. It actually felt like these people knew each other. So that makes perfect sense what you just said there. Oh, yeah. These guys, um, most of them have known each other the better part of um uh, the guy who plays specter he's actually relatively new to the group uh i've known him for a long time but he didn't know the rest of the guys which kind of works out in our favor because in the group he's the newest guy the youngest out of all of us Mm. in real life he plays a lot differently than everyone else so you kind of see him go off and do a lot of his own things um so from the group he's he hasn't been friends with us as long and he always likes his way of doing things, so he'll go off and do like his own side quest, or like he'll separate and think that he can take it on all by himself. When we first started playing, he was trying to show everyone that he was a really good player, and so he would take it all on himself. And in mm. story wise, it translates to him trying to prove himself to the team, which was really cool. I love the I love those freaking parallels. That's actually really dope because he, and you know what? It's it might be a terrible. I don't think it's a terrible comparison. You ever heard of a show called Entourage? Oh, I love that show. That was taken from Mark Wahlberg's experience, right? And what you're explaining to me right now is this is like a comic book version of that. 
And it's just, it obviously some things are done for entertainment. We get all that. But I'm just saying, like, the fact that you were able to take this experience from D&D and say, you know what? How can we make this parallel each other in the comic book world? So are you are you a comic book head? Um, I was when I was a kid. And I got back into comics 2018, 2019. Um, started reading digital comics because they were cheaper and easier to get. And B, I just don't have the room to store everything I want. But as a kid, yeah, I mean, I actually still have the first comic book I ever had um, sitting on my wall. I was a huge Batman fan when I was a kid. Um, my wedding ring actually has Batman symbols on it. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, my wife got it for me. That's dope. And I, I loved Spawn as a kid. I got to meet Todd McFarlane. I got to meet uh, Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee and all those guys when Image was formed. So I'm a 90s comics guy. I did get out of it for a few years, so I was... Um, I was actually signed to Sony, a subsidiary of Sony Records for a while, so I was on the road from 2000, 2009. I was just touring and playing music, and um, I tried to get back into comics a few times. I had kind of stopped reading right around late, 90, late 99, 2000, and the last thing I really got into was the Apocalypse, um, Age of Apocalypse storylines mm. for Marvel. I always liked young blood. I always liked like the image stuff. I always liked because that was like blowing stuff up. Um, we won't even talk about the the way they drew the, the people in those books. But it was, <laughs> as a kid, you know, <laughs> I loved all that stuff. Um, Batman, the Nightfall story. I read all that. Um, so yeah, I, I I was into comics, but it was really hard to step back in sometimes because I remember picking up a book and like none of the characters were the same to me. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it used to. Uh, fit and I got. I tried to get back into the DC, the new Fifty Two, mm-hmm. and that that felt really weird in some areas. But the art was good. Felt like some of the art went downhill. It was just. It, it was tough for me. So when um, came around, I did get back into Spawn because it's still running. I read that. Uh, I was. I'm kind of bummed they never revamped uh, Young Blood. I really liked that team, and I got back into Batman. Some of the stuff for a while. There's some good runs. Some that aren't that great, but. Sure did inspire me a little bit to get into my own because like how there's always like a new number one and you don't know which storyline you're reading for this character and Hmm. um one of the guys that plays huge manga and anime fan and he told me he's like you should get into manga and anime because they tell one cohesive story and i liked that so you know when people ask me is it a comic yeah we're a comic book but we read more like a, a manga or like a, a limited series because I mean, crit has an end. It's going to be 42 issues long. It's already planned. It's already written. We've already done all the gaming for it. Um, I like what they did with, um, invincible. Mm-hmm. It had, and I like that because then you get to experience the whole story and then you can kind of tell, tell a new one. You don't know. Don't always need to revamp the same character a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I would be sad if Batman died tomorrow, but if they killed Batman off and did it right and it's like, cool, we have a story for Batman, I'd be fine. You're the only one, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I say that, but it'd be it'd be pretty crappy. I'd be like, man, there goes Bruce, you know, D sixty years of, of a story. Um, but I do think that they've they a lot of the newer stuff just doesn't appeal to me. Every once in a while there'll be something that that comes out and I check it out and I like it, but it's really hit or miss. So no one well you said some things there are probably gonna anger some people, the sensitive people. Um, which is, <laughs> but no. I apologize. <laughs> doesn't matter. Who cares? Uh, but but no, I, I like what you said because that's very true. And you're similar to me. I was a very much a comic book head. And I don't know how old you are. It doesn't matter. Don't say it. On, don't say it online. But um, um, 
I was very much a 90s head, even though I was really young, too young to understand what I was reading. And then I got out of it, but I, I've had a brother who, who's never left it. And what happened was, I can't say I got fully out of it, because he would always say, I know what you like. And he would always say, hey, check this out, check this out. So like when things like The Boys came out, when things like um, uh, Civil War came out, he would always just say, hey, just so you know. You should you should check out this series, and I would then go check it out, and it's been me doing it to a limited basis because, as you said, these comics are not for everybody. And honestly, even if I could afford to buy every issue one, I wouldn't want to, because every story, as you said, is not for everybody. You know, uh-huh. so no, I think you said some key things there that are important because uh, the one thing I always hear in a, a lot is about how the the comic book industry is dying. I, it's not people just being more more picky with their choices because not everybody can afford every single issue. And so there's a lot of crossover that happens. Yes. A ton. And they do these big events. So you have to buy every different book. Right. But then, then you're picking up characters you don't know about. And like, why do I care about this character when they're not in the book? I like, exactly. and, um, you know, a friend of mine, I talk about this stuff all the time, but some of us forget that the stories that are being told and retelling some of the stories we grew up with, mm-hmm. They're not us, you know. They're looking for a new audience because right. they've already got our money. They want right. a new audience money. So we might not like it, but there might be somebody else out there that does. I still have, you know, one storyline I might have liked. Um, at the same time, when we're talking about that. There's other creators putting stuff out that is for me. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I use Spawn a lot because I like that story. I like the fact that he's got upwards of 300 issues. The universe has shifted and changed, but you've been there for the ride. It hasn't reset itself to where it's like a new number one. They're still selling, telling like the same cohesive story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I refuse to skip ahead too far. But from what I've heard from some of the people that reading Spawn uh, forever, they say like the newer stuff is even better than the older stuff. And, uh, and that, that's kind of cool to me because I, sure. I still like the first hundred issues, but everyone's like, man, once you get past the first like hundred, hundred and fifty, it really kicks. I mean, I, I enjoyed the first part of it. So if they're still doing well with the, the end of it, that's, that's great. I don't know any other series that's got 300 issues of a story where people have stayed for the whole thing. Me either. And also at the same time, the reason why I think, I think that's due to Todd McFarlane. I know I remember watching that documentary on Todd McFarlane and it was, it was mainly about image, and it was about how they kind of all came together, but just to fall out and go back to Marvel and DC and stuff. And the, the, the running theme was egos, which is which is with anything, right? Any successful people have egos, some healthier than others. But I remember the the, the part they particularly had with Todd McFarlane was his ego. And I remember I I I didn't meet him. I was at New York Comic Con. I was I was booked there one year. I think it was 2018, 2019. 2018, and I remember I was there, and a friend of mine was interviewing Todd McFarlane, and one thing he said to, to the guy was, he dropped his ego in the middle of Spawn, because he had got, drew a blank, and he said that's when he said it was okay for him to get other creators involved, and that's the one thing I've noticed when I've gone to comic book shops, has been when I have seen, when I've picked up Spawn issues, and just like looked them over or whatever, I'm, I'm not as big of a Spawn fan as you are, but I'm a Spawn fan. I've seen so many other creators' names on it, and Tom McFarlane, you can tell, is still a part of it, but, like, you can tell, like, there's some issues that he lets people just do their thing, and he just lets the show, he just lets it evolve, which is cool if you're going to keep it going for as long as he has, but, see, most people don't realize what you said earlier is so important. You have 42 issues of this story. You're going to tell this story and move on. 
that was the one knock on Robert Kirkman was when he ended um, Invincible. People didn't like the way he ended it. But then I remember he said something. That he said the dopest thing. And it was so simple. He said, well, that's the way I wanted to end it. That's that's that. That's the end of the conversation. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but that's how it should be. It should. No. So, so you know, I... Um... You know, when I was making music, and I still live by this, when we were, when I was in a band, we always talked about what the next album we were going to write or the next thing we we're going to write. When you start a band, you write music for yourself. You write music you like. You mm. like, you know, you're you're doing it for you. And then you take it outside of your garage or your basement or wherever you practice, and you play it for other people. And then all of a sudden you have an audience, and now you want to please that audience. You forget that the thing that pleased the audience was what you did for yourself. Mm. So the you know his storyline. But he wrote it for him, and if he liked the ending, well, there's going to be other people out there that like the ending. Mm. You know, <clears throat> can't really like it gets created in everything that you do, but it or you know, people won't like everything you do. But if you do it for you, at the end of the day, and that was what crit is. You know, we don't. I've actually had conversations with the the, the guys. Do we want to modify this? Do we want to change that? That's how we played it. That's how we did it. And we do. We play the game. The the book never way we play. It made them role play a little bit better i won't lie you know they're like oh people are gonna read this i gotta do something cool but they, it never changed our direction people that asked why don't you have a female main character i don't have a female playing my game um or a guy that wants to role play a female like, i just don't have that so i'm not going to force it into the story mm. now there are other characters in the in the world and in the story later on that get introduced but our team is a bunch of dudes that hang around a table and play games <laughs> you know so um I asked, I said, hey, do you want to introduce or change this? Nope, this is how it was. We wrote it for us. People like it. And if they don't, then it's not like a bad thing. You know, right. I don't like everything. I argue with people all the time. Like, well, why don't you like this? Well, I just don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't have to like something. I can dislike things. It's okay. Just like you can and everybody else. I think that's what makes the entertainment industry unique is it's filled with all these different types of imagination and all these different things that make people happy. And I also think sometimes we forget entertainment's for is to make people happy. I'll leave it at that because we go on for hours about <laughs> the state of entertainment. But no, um, that's, that's crit at the end of the day will it is for us. The fact that other people potated to it, like I did a first Kickstarter, how it would go, and um, when it funded and picked up, and all of a sudden people were asking me. Hey, when are we gonna get the next issue? I was like, you really like this? <laughs> this is cool. Um, that that to me was fun. The the initial idea for the comic was just to give my friends a visual of what we did at the table. It wasn't to um, turn into what it's turned into. I'm I'm glad it has though, because it's been it's been a lot of fun for me to do all this. Because I, I actually taught myself how to draw so I could make the comic. Mm. I had never done comic book art. I didn't. I never even really did much art to begin with when I started this. The art's moving, <laughs> so. Oh, thank you. Uh, I heard that, and that was actually uh, a really cool moment for me because I, I, you know, I was like, "Oh, he likes my art, cool." Um, but I give a lot of that to my wife because when I first started, I tell this story to everybody because um, there there is a an unreleased issue zero that I put in uh, in the back of the trade paperback, and because I wanted to show people where we came from, version of the comic book that I had done. I spent three months working on it, and I was so proud of it. My wife is a very good artist. She's a photographer. She's just very talented in uh, the creative field. I brought this to her one night. It was on my tablet. It was like 17, 18 pages long. 
And we were watching TV, so she pauses the TV, and she looks at the tablet, and she scrolls through the book. And mind you, I spent three months on this, and I was so happy. I thought I was going to Image the next day and getting a contract. I thought I was the coolest man in the world. I was living high. I also preface the fact that my wife and I were best friends for 11 years before we even got married. And we were only married, I think, three or four years at this point. Hand her the tablet, scrolls through. She doesn't even make eye contact with me. She passes the tablet back, and she's like, it's good, and turns the TV back on. No feedback. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like looking at it. I'm like, does it suck? What is so bad about this? And it, it just stood with me all night. And the next day, I'm like, hey, like, did you not like it? And she's like, well, it's good. Like, what did you want from me? And I'm like, well, creative input. You know, I wouldn't show it to you. You don't like comic books. Like, what did you think? And she went page by page. Well, this arm is out of place. This leg shouldn't look like that. This shouldn't be like that. I'm like, oh, okay. So I need to learn how to do this. <laughs> and I spent three months with her. I would draw something and I'd show it to her and she, she would erase or circle. She would really edit all my art, go back and redo it until it looked right. And um, issue four was the first issue. She looked at me and she said, I think you have it. She paid though up until that. Every page I drew would go to her. She would look it over. She'd circle things. She'd erase things. Man, I would spend two and three days working on a page, and she'd come in and red mark it and erase things and circle things right in front of me. And I'm like, oh, that hurts. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, dope. we go back to that talk about ego. I, I, I've I never had an ego when it comes to the art. I, the only thing that I hold to is the story itself because it happened at the table, and I don't. I think that's an element I never really want to change is I want people to experience. That's the only part that I really kind of like stick to as hard as possible. I will omit some things that didn't, like there's been, if you ever played D&D, &D, and I know you haven't, there's always the stupid stuff that happens at the table, the stupid banter that we talked about what we did last week, or some of it makes it into the book, like when they're eating and they're talking about the food they're eating, and it's really funny. There are also some, some things that I tried to introduce to the game that were in for one game session and then never talked about again. Mm. And there is a storytelling aspect. So I don't want to introduce something that someone might get attached to and then it go nowhere. Cause I think that's bad storytelling at the end. Um, but the core story you read is everything we played the artwork, do friends that will also look at a page and say, Hey, like this doesn't look right or move the panel this way. Um, I don't take any offense to it. I feel like, end of the day that's that's the input i want is someone saying hey this is good but it could be better so you said a lot there i think a lot of things are key because i i do music as well and i'm actually dropping my debut album later this year touring next year and Thanks. you're absolutely right i remember when i was recording music with my brother when i was younger i never felt like i we were working i met this producer in maryland and uh, I remember I always wanted to do certain types of songs, right? And I remember my brother, he was he's the older brother, and he was always overbearing. He was like, no, you can't do that. That's, that's whack. That's, before we even would even try it. And I remember just never being able to fully be myself as an artist. And then it was like once I broke away from him, I started actually working on the music that I wanted to work on. And I remember I had a conversation with someone. I sent someone a track, and they said to me, this is so different from the stuff I've heard, but this sounds more like you and makes me like it even more. And then I remember I said, oh, this person knows me. Let me send it to someone else that, that doesn't know me. I send it to someone else. And they were like, man, this is pretty. They didn't know it was me. They were like, oh, this is really good. Like, who is this? And I just made a, a pretend person. Um, <laughs> because I didn't want them to then change their mind. <laughs> um, they ended up finding out later, later in the conversation that was me. But, um, 
it's one of those things where you're right. Once once you start changing stuff up because you think people want to know something or hear something, that's that's not that's not the case. They want to they want to know you. They want to pe- millions of people buy Taylor Swift because they're getting Taylor Swift. Uh-huh. So that's just what it is. And, and honestly, I think that goes back to the core of what I really liked about this was just the banter. Just it felt like real friendships and also. Um, I also like the little things you do in there. Are you originally from New Orleans, Louisiana? No. Um, I, I actually picked up when you dropped, when you said that. And the reason I picked New Orleans was because I needed a point in time. It takes place in like real world setting. Like everything. The, the, it's very meta. Um, to get you the, the actual um, zero through six so you can read everything. We're very meta. We modern time. So we, we mention a lot of things that currently happen. But I felt like... Um, New Orleans, when uh, the the world that's there is a version of our world that happened after Katrina, companies came in to help clean up, used like their leverage there in um, favor from the, the government because mm. they came in to clean up, and then instead okay. of having Silicon Valley where it's in California, and that's where all the big tech things happen, it's in New Orleans because I felt like that was like a, a unique point in time where, okay, this would be cool. What if these companies came in and they helped clean the city up so that way they could have access because it's a port area so you can get things in and out real quick. I can have, and New Orleans was known like for crime levels and like cool, so I can have different gangs and it has, it's just a unique setting to where I didn't have to change the world we live in now. I could just create like an alternate time right there didn't have to modify much of what we know. Just hey, this is what happened, and this is instead of Silicon Valley being over here, we got these cool people over here doing this stuff. Um, just fit, and also I I love New Orleans culture. So okay, yeah, I was curious about that because I'm actually from New Orleans, so I was like, is he from here? And and you're absolutely right. After Katrina, that was one of the. I remember going back home. So Katrina hit what August, and then I think I went back home just to see what it was like in November. It was a crap show. And then we left again after a day of just being depressed. And then we went back maybe three months later. And you're right. That's how. That's exactly how it was. The companies that came there, they were coming to stay. <laughs> they were coming for, uh, yeah, to help. I'm doing air quotes there. You can't see me doing air quotes. But um, <laughs> they were coming to help, all right. But no, no, I, I actually like, the more you're saying, the more I actually like about it. And I do highly, and, I, and I'm not saying this just because you're on the show or because you let me review it. I actually do highly recommend it just because... It, it, it helped me, and something you said key earlier about forcing characters, right? I actually have a character in my, one of my comics named Snake Root, and I remember I was at Con, it was Indiana Comic Con, and someone asked me during a panel, like, I've read your books, like, why do you lean so much into female characters? Do you have a female writer that like, is a ghostwriter? And um, they weren't knocking me, they were just asking questions. I was like, honestly, no, it's just because that's kind of... I don't have many friends, but the friends I actually have are actually mostly women. Like, it's just how it's just the dynamic that I've been around because I've worked. I spent most of my years to put myself through college in strip clubs. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> I, I so I found that I didn't like befriending a lot of the men that I work with because of they, they acted really. F- you put men around women, money, drugs, whatever. Somebody's going to act funny. So. I just didn't get along with too many of the guys. It, it just was weird, and I just didn't like it. But I got along really well with the women. And um, and then it just will give me ideas as far as, like, characters go. I don't force anything in my comics either. Like, a lot of things that, that, that I do is things that I want to do. And, I'm, and I feel like, and I have a question for you after this, after I say uh-huh. this. 
I feel like a lot of times when I'm reading indie comics, that's the kind of thing that turns me off is if something feels forced. Like I was working on this indie comic with someone, with two people, I won't say their names, but it never went through because the, the one of the people wanted to force so many air quotes woke things in that I remember I looked in and said, this just feels forced. It feels just, it doesn't feel natural. I just can't work like this. So we just didn't decide to work together anymore. So I guess my question to you is, since you are a part of the indie community, have you ever, and I don't know how many people you've collaborated with. I'd love to know that. But like, I know you helped me out on issue three of my cover randomly, and I, which was really cool of you. But like, do you have any connections to the indie community? And if, if you do, I think you do, because I follow you on Instagram. But like, how did you get those? How do you feel the indie community is treating you? Do you feel there's growth for you? Where do you want to go? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty well, like, reigned in the community. The thing about the indie community is it's so massive. I'm ingrained in, like, my area of the community. You know, I have quite a few connections. And honestly, I just met them because of Instagram. Uh, it was funny. Most of the, I have a group of six different creatives that we all work together. Uh, right now, we're actually trying to work on getting Diamond together. We're just all moving in the same direction. So I had this idea, like let's come together and do something similar to what image did just clearly not like as big for one and for two everyone owns their own stuff no one has any say like you do your own thing we just publish together because i did work in distribution and i know with comic book stores you can't get in with just one title unless your title is huge the little guys they need to band together because we have to take up shelf space and we need to fill that shelf space. So you can't do it with one title that you can only release once or twice a year. You got to do it with guys that are doing three and four books, constantly have rotating shelf space. Uh, that's a topic for a different day, though. Um, the group, you know, like I said, I just sh- started shooting out messages and meeting people through, um, hey, this person did a cover over here, or I like some of the artwork. Um, we started doing like Instagram lives and we met each other. And then in 2021, we did a a, uh, a comic-con or it was, maybe it was 2022 actually uh, i forget which year that was 2021 sorry um we did a comic-con together and we met in person and we've all just been like really good friends since and i've i've let her a lot of books for them i give a lot of uh, creative input because uh me and me and my friends are really critical of our own stuff so reading other people's things i'll tell them like hey this feels forced or like this doesn't make sense how does this character know where the bad guy is out of nowhere yet nobody else knows mm. you know um i give my input for everybody um i do feel welcomed by part of the community i do feel sometimes that the community like most things eats itself mm. with its um you're not on my side like the whole, there's a lot of arguments like I, i'm in a pretty big chat with a lot of creatives too and we were talking about Instagram or uh, uh, Kickstarter pricing one day. And I know how much my book costs to make. I don't know how much everybody else's does. But for an 18-page book, I know you don't need to charge $20 to recoup your price. Mm-hmm. You're either aiming very low on the amount of books you're going to sell, not being mean to anybody here, but you're, you're taking advantage of the people buying the books. Because Kickstarter, and, and I, I will talk about this forever but kickstarter has become its own publisher you know people go to that store to buy books i think it has more money on kickstarter than even in some of the publishers um two million spent in just indie comics in one year it was like it was ridiculous and you've got these people trying to get their books out but we're in a state of economy where like if i spend ten dollars on your book next to you that i really want to support and you're running like within the same time period their books on there and 
I have $35 for not even 50 pages of content, and I've got to go tell my wife, hey, I spent <laughs> almost 50 bucks to support my friends and their books, but or even just to get a book that I like, when I could go and pick up Spider-Man for two mm-hmm. you know? I've, I've gotten into pretty good debates with people on the pricing, and the I think the idea that, well, if the consumer will pay it, is going to eventually bite everyone in the butt because it, what happens when the consumers and not just for your book but for everybody's book because kickstarter has left a bad taste in their mouth mm. right they spent ten dollars on your book that they never got they spent twenty dollars on your book that they never got or they spent twenty dollars on it and it was 15 pages with three pages of filler um that those are the things that i get concerned about because i look at like big picture like community stuff well, yes, it might be great for your pocket right now, but what does it mean in two years? Because mm-hmm. that's what happened in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They had this big push. Everyone was buying 10 and 15 different versions of the same book, and they were making ham fists full of money, driving, buying Lamborghinis for their teams and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it all fell out from under them because the consumer got tired of being called a consumer. These are fans. These are readers. We're in a, an economy right now where if you want to grow, you got to think long term. Right now, people are broke. You know, I don't know how much money you got, but I know I don't have 50 bucks to spend on 30 pages worth of content. <laughs> you know, that's pretty expensive. Um, unless, of course, it's printed on gold, then I'll take it. That's the ass story. But um, the, the community is, is the community. I have friends. I have guys that I don't talk to. It's not that I have enemies. I just choose not to talk to them. <laughs> if I don't, if I don't like what you're putting down, that's fine. No harm, no foul. You keep doing you. I will stay in my lane and do me. Um, big community, and I think we all can find our own niches and our own spaces to be in. And that's one of the reasons I like it. And you, you coming from music, you can understand where I'm coming from. Tons of different genres of music, and tons of different like people that hang out in the music community. That the same kind of goes for comics. No, I agree, and that's something I've actually struggled with. Me and my manager were talking about that one day. He was asking if I was open to collaborating, and I've collaborated before. I've done, I've had three successful Kickstarters based on collaboration. Because as you just said, something so key, I had a collaborator, uh, a creator, come to me one day and say, "Hey, man," he said something similar to what you just said about everything costs. Now, I don't think about profit when it comes to my comics. And, and I feel like it's helped me grow. It doesn't bite me in the butt. The, the most I've ever charged for a comic is probably like 10, 15 bucks. And that's if it's, that, if it's the graphic novel, the final piece uh-huh. of the puzzle. That's a different story because that's the all the stories together. And, you know, a lot of people, especially a lot of my fans, and they are supportive of me. I, 100%. Like, they understand if I charge them much because I'm usually charging between $1.99 and $2.99. So I'm okay with a book not me not seeing extra, a lot of profit because a lot of times people know it's affordable and they'll get 20, 25 pages, whatever they want. Um, and it's all good. But the graphic novel is me getting all the stories together. And a lot of my fans, I noticed they're like me. They don't want to do digital. They actually order a lot of physical copies. And that's that that changes the ball game because printing physical copies, is, as you know, is always expensive or going to be more expensive. But honestly, it's just something that I like as a reader. Um I did at one point in time get into digital comics for maybe six months, and for me, it just I love the feeling of oh, just of turning pages and just it it, it it sounds stupid, but that's just me. But I have struggled with other creators that want to do stuff. Anyways, what my point was saying was um, I've struggled with that, but like, I have had three successful Kickstarters because people are like, hey, let's put our books together and sell them for this price. And it's like, okay, that's cool. that sounds fair. Like if you're if you're charging someone, as you said, fifty bucks, but they have legitimately over two hundred pages of content. I mean, I think that's a I think that's a freaking deal. And then you have different stories and stuff like that. And so I don't think many people think that way. I would love to do what you're doing though, and I would love to um, 
actually have a group of people I talk to and can lean on and stuff because I think that that just makes that makes you stronger as a talent. That makes you stronger as a creator. Um, that's just my opinion though on that. But I do appreciate all the jewels you dropped there. But before I let you go, I do want to get back into Crick because I don't I don't know if we touched on it as much as I want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I can get off on tangents. No, you're 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 actually really good. Cause you're actually saying some really you're actually saying really important stuff that I think a lot of creators need to hear, a lot of people need to hear, but. I don't I, I and I, I can always have you back on. It's not a big deal, but I'm, this is more for me, I guess. I guess my final question about crit for right now is: as you're putting these things together, as you're drawing all these things, was there ever a time that not that you wanted to force something in, not that you needed something in, but you just had an idea in your mind of this would just be even though this is not what we talked about, this would be cool to add, and you didn't do it because it just not, not that it didn't fit the story. But because you felt like other people would feel like it was forced in. I've done quite a bit. So Yes, you have. Um I remember when I was doing the first issue of Crit, I tried oh I didn't try, but I really wanted to bring in some of the future elements because by the time we played the first book, I had already we I think we were like at that point mm. and there was some fun stuff that we had done and I was like, Cool, how can I make this fit in? And one of the guys, the guy that caliber in real life, Brad, he said, We'll get there. You know, don't rush it because if you rush it, you take away the impact that it had when we played it. Mm. And I don't think my problem was forcing things. I think part of my problem was over explaining things. Okay. And he had started looking at some indie comics and he gave me the feedback of like, don't fall into what a lot of these books I'm reading do. He said, um, a lot of people try to over explain. He said, comic book storytelling is a lot different because you have two mediums at once, you have visual. And you have, um, you know, visual pictures and visual reading. So you can use words and you can use pictures to tell your story. He said some things are le- better left as a visual, but some things are better as words. Mm. He said, so you need to balance that because I was trying to explain everything. He said, because if you over explain a scene, bore the reader. Also, you're teaching, you're treating the reader kind of like they're dumb mm. because you're explaining on the paper what they're already seeing on the paper. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. He's like, you don't have to tell them that this guy is about to roundhouse kick someone because they're, they're kicking them, you know? That's a good point. And I didn't think about that. I was like, oh, that's a good point. He said, yes, at the table we may have said it. He said, but make it a, if you're going to do that, make it a joke. And that's why you hear them call out their moves every once in a while because mm. it's reminiscent of manga anime where they're calling out their their moves all the time and i really wanted readers that know D to be able to pick out oh that's like that kind of move cool but it's also very meta because in the in the book one of the characters makes fun of them for constantly calling out their moves um yeah so so i think that's one thing that i've had to change is just my my style of storytelling to blend visual and you know visual pictures and visual reading so that you get a, a the reader really gets to a big problem. Being forcing dialogue where dialogue doesn't need to be. I actually had the same issue, or I wrote an entire I wrote an entire issue, and how I do mines, I guess it's, I guess it's technically called the Marvel, the Marvel method. But the artists I work with, um, there used to be a language barrier. He only speaks Indonesian, and so I had to learn Indonesian to really communicate with him. And so I remember I have to I would have to over explain to him because he actually lives and he's from Bali. So a lot of things I would explain to him. Because he doesn't know anything about American culture. I remember one time um, we're doing this comic and he draws some school uniforms for kids. And I looked at him and I was like, what in the blue hell is this, man? 
He was like, "This is what we have to wear to school." I was like, "Yeah, that's not, that's not, that's not. We're not, we're not in Bali, my friend." <laughs> and so then I had to explain to him. He, well, I mean, this went on for like an hour, not because he wasn't understanding, but because he was so intrigued at like how you could wear different stuff. And I was like, and, they, and apparently in his part of Bali, like legitimately, when he goes to school, like they even pick the, the color shoe you can wear as a student, which is crazy to me. And so I was like, okay, but once again, it's two different cultures, so I'm learning it. So I remember one time. I over-explained this entire page to this guy. So all of a sudden, it's, it's pretty much like what your friend and you went through right there. And I remember uh, someone saw it and said, what the hell is this, man? I was like, well, this, this is one of the pages. He was like, yeah, this is this is, this is all wrong. <laughs> so he knows nothing about comics. He just saw it. He's read all of mine. So he, he knew something was wrong. And he knew at the time I was having like a language barrier. This is before I had learned the language. And it just made it easier just to learn the language and explain it to him that way instead of using google translate but no that is a thing and i'm glad your friend said that it sounds like you have a really strong community that's really backing you and that you can that you back them so um that's actually really dope man that's really i'm glad i had you on um so what yeah so whenever you send me those issues not that you send me those issues on the google drive um i'll actually read them there um as well uh and i'll review those as well if you want me to and definitely and we'll go from there but uh is there anything you want to plug before you go yeah, actually, if everybody wants to pick up the book right now, I put it on Indiegogo. Um, if you go to uh, Instagram, you just type in, type in at Homebrewed Comics, you'll find the link. And I have I have the entire book's up there for digital for five dollars because it's already it's already done. I, I've just been trying to get the book out a little bit more. See what Indiegogo had. You can get a physical. I think physical with shipping is like thirty five, um, but it's two hundred and twenty pages long, six issues plus a bonus issue plus I launched. Um, in there is a side story of a book called Mr. Wizard and Friends, and that that's, that's its own little thing. That's a story for another day. It's a TV show that exists within Crit, so I made a comic book about it, too. <laughs> um, if you can check out Homebrewed Comics on Instagram and hit me up, I can. I would love to get people reading Crit. Yeah, and and, and he'll, he'll give me the links, and I'll pull the links in the description again, so you will have two shows with both links in there, so you can always go to the archives here at I See Things a Little Differently and check those out, and you can actually plug them in if you don't want to do it, go through Instagram. I, I know some people don't follow me on Instagram. They only follow me through the podcast, so if they see the link there, they'll do it. So I'll put it in the link as, as well. But um, thank you for your time, man. Thank you for uh, coming on. I, I do appreciate it. Um, that is the show for this Wednesday. Um, and... I'm, matter of fact, since I, since I know he sent me those, I will announce a date. I will get reading them, and I'll still announce them issue by issue. Um, but I'll review them issue by issue, and I will just start going through crit and seeing what, seeing what I'm seeing what where I was. Because because what issue did you send me again? Sent you technically it's our seventh issue. It's my newest one. Okay, all right. So yeah, I want to know what happened before then. So <laughs> so I will actually give a review before, but I'm not gonna do it immediately just because I want you guys to go support him. Because, as he said, a lot of you guys may not go to the, the, the comic book stores anymore, but I do know a lot of you guys. You guys hit me up all the time. You guys definitely go to, to Indiegogo. You guys go to Kickstarters. I want you guys to actually go out and support it. Um, it is really... The fact that he taught himself how to do it is really impressive on the artwork. Um, it is that there's so, many, there's so much more that he said that I just... I'm holding myself back here because if I have him back on, I want to talk about it then. But um, either way, I'm happy he came on. This is Chris Alf. This is the Creative Crit, C-R-I-T. I'm the Soul Chemical, and that is it, guys. We're out.